Hello, welcome to the Campus Bible Study Podcast. Join us each week as we hear from God's Word, as we seek to prayerfully proclaim the crucified Christ as Lord of all. Half hour or so is that we would hear God speak to us. And so we're going to open up God's Word, we're going to have a look at this passage. I'm going to see what it has to say about belonging. If you want to follow along and take some notes, there's some space there on an outline for you. Uh, if nothing else, you can count down the points and you can know when it's almost time for hot cross buns. But as we start, can I ask you, do you want to join a gang? <laughs> I'm not really offering because I have contacts in the industry. Uh, if you know me or even if you don't, you can probably work out that's not really my scene. I don't really look like or hang out with many gang members. I'm not sure if you do. But do you ever find yourself or catch yourself thinking that there's something compelling about a gang? I'm not into drugs. I'm not into violence. I'm not into exploitation or lawlessness. In fact, much of what is often seen to characterize gangs I find pretty sad and repulsive. So what's the appeal of a gang? What's the sense of belonging? It's summed up quite well by our local Maroubra surf gang. I'm not sure if you know the Bra Boys, but one of their tattooed mottos is my brother's keeper. It's a nice sentiment, isn't it? They're family. They've got each other's backs. It's a place where you can be valued, or where you can feel safe. Just like family. Or perhaps even better than family. Some of you will recognize my brother's keeper, this slogan, It's actually a biblical reference, going right back to Genesis chapter 4, to the first family that God created to walk in His world. Now, family really ought to be the peak of belonging, the place where you are safe and secure, the place where you are loved and protected because of not what you do, but just because you're one of the family. But tragically, that isn't always the case. Uh, And as you can read about Cain and Abel, these two brothers, rather than protecting one another, tragically Cain, in cold-blooded jealousy, murdered his brother. When God questioned, his response to God is, I don't know where my brother is, a blatant lie. Am I my brother's keeper? In a sense, the bra boys are saying they can do better than that. They will stick up for one another. They will care for. Because sadly, families don't always do it. And sadly for the Bra Boys, that's actually kind of where the gang came from. These are the Abbotton brothers, the founding members of the Bra Boys. In a sense, they experienced the brokenness of family. Their mom was a drug addict. The father figure in their family wasn't actually their biological dad and he was a criminal man. The gang was an attempt for them to find some of that family belonging that they didn't have at home. And soon, they found many others like them. You see, God has made us as people who need to belong. We crave connection with others. We're social beings. We gravitate towards belonging, and we want to not just belong, but we want to be on the inside, a place where we share some connection, whether it's in the home or the office, amongst friends in the yard or amongst perhaps those that you work alongside or in a political party or even in the state or the nation where you were born. We always look for belonging. It's a place where there's safety, where there's value, 
whether you have a part to play. But you know the flip side of belonging, don't you? For every group where there's an inside, there's also an outside. And I take it as you've longed for the inside, you've probably also experienced being on the outside. Feeling like you don't belong. Maybe you felt it as you've moved to Sydney for university. Maybe you've particularly felt it if you've moved from overseas. Not just a new context, but a new language. It makes it harder to feel like you belong, like you connect. Maybe you've experienced the brokenness of family. Maybe you've been cut off from friends or those that you care about. Maybe you just feel different to those around you. I take it as much as we probably know the joy of belonging and being part of the in-crowd. You've probably also felt the f pain and the hurt of not belonging or being on the outside. So, have you ever wanted to join a gang? Uh, perhaps more realistically, have you ever wanted to belong? And I assume the safe answer to that question is yes. It's a daily desire for most of us. And I want to suggest that God has actually given you that desire. It's a good thing. Even though sometimes it's painful when we feel like we don't have it. It's designed to bring us together as God intended. But ultimately, I want to suggest it's only ever going to be fulfilled as we come to God. As we find belonging in relationship with Him. After all, He has made us in His image to enjoy relationship with Him. The bad news is, that's not our natural state. So we're a point to... It's painful not to please. I was reminded of this in perhaps a strange way over the weekend. With all the rain, we're having a pretty quiet weekend as a family. And Saturday afternoon came around and we put on a movie. I'm not sure if you've seen the movie, How to Train Your Dragon. Out of interest, who has seen it? I know the you know, kids' movies aren't really the key point of connection, but you were probably in primary school when this movie came out-ish. Um, if you don't know the story, basically it follows this little guy, Hiccup, who is the son of the great Viking chief, Stoic. Now, as many kids' stories go, their names kind of say something about themselves. Hiccup, he, he's a bit of an accident. He doesn't really belong. And he feels that acutely. He feels the pain of being un unable to please his father. And, well, I'm going to share a little clip with you, just to bring you back to those childhood memories of a time when he's tried to do something great, which he feels like will help him belong in the community, but he's just destroyed half the village in the process. He tried to bring down the elusive Night Fury dragon, and it didn't go well. Have a look, here's Hiccup with his dad stoic.
I'm afraid you broke in the wrong old string. I ordered an extra large boy with easy arms, extra guts and glory on the side. This here, this is a talking fish food. <laughs> it's not so much what you look like, it's what's inside that you can't stand. <laughs> There you go, loving words. And then he goes off and the movie continues. As much as it's laced with a bit of humour, you kind of feel for Hiccup, don't you? I mean, if it wasn't in some animated movie with a bit of humour along the side, it would be devastating to be in that situation. Mocked, ridiculed by your mates, or at least your peers, they're hardly mates, you are shamed by your father in a very public and humiliating way. And then just to top it off, your boss, your minder, well, he crushes you. It's not what's on the outside, it's who you are on the inside that your dad can't stand. <laughs> Loving words. You see, it's pretty painful when you can't impress those that you value. And the more significant the relationship, the more it hurts when you can't get in. I mean, being ghosted by a friend, that stings. Being shunned by a family is pretty crushing. How much worse is it if you're unable to please God Himself? If God made us in His image to enjoy relationship with Him, that's where we belong. And life on the outside is going to be painful. But did you notice as we read the Bible just before, how the, the natural state of humanity is, well, just that, unable to please God, on the outside with Him. If you have a look at the, the picture that we get from verses 5 to 8, it's a pretty chilling image. Uh, life in the flesh describes life hostile to God, uh, disconnected from Him. And so we read, for those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's pretty sobering words, I take it. And while your first instinct may be to disagree, maybe consider whether these words ring true. I mean, if you don't believe God as He's revealed Himself in His Word, the Bible, through His eternal Son, Jesus Christ, through the whole world that He has made that we live in, if you don't believe in God, well, you're not going to follow what He says you should do in your life. You're not going to submit to Him or honour Him. I mean, the world we still live in is the world that He's made. All that you have has come from His generous provision. But do you give thanks to Him? Do you honour Him? Do you even acknowledge that He's there? Or are you pretty content just to do whatever feels right, whenever it feels good? Now, you might even think that some of the things that are good for you to do are to feed the poor, to, to campaign for human rights or the state of the environment. You might even be a good person who, even when exams are online, didn't cheat. But if there is a God out there, you might think that gives you some credit with Him, that He owes you something. But God says, as long as you're on the outside, as long as you're not in relationship with Him, 
It's impossible for you to please Him. And that matters because verses 6 and 7 tell us death is the outcome for everyone who is hostile to God. And death is the complete opposite of belonging. Now, before you accuse God of being unfair, I wonder if you think about it a bit, say I came and moved into your house. I just set up home on your couch one day, and I was pretty happy to enjoy your warmth, your Wi-Fi, maybe even eat the food in your cupboard. Occasionally, I might do something good like clean the toilet or vacuum the room because that might serve me. But if I acknowledge you in no way whatsoever, if I had no interest in having a relationship with you, would you be pleased with me? Not at all. You should kick me out of your home rather than allowing me to be some leech. Why should God be pleased with us when we live in His world and ignore Him and have no desire for relationship with Him? Death is the rightful judgment from the God who made the world. So God made us for belonging, to enjoy relationship with Him, but naturally we're all hostile to God. We're unable to please Him, and our fate is death, and that is God's judgment on our rebellion. Now, interestingly, the solution is not just to try harder, just to pull up your socks and put in a bit more effort. Verse 8 doesn't say it's only the weak or the incompetent or the lazy who are unable to please God. No, it's everyone who's in the flesh. This is the general state of humanity. So what's the solution? Well, it may sound counterintuitive, but you've got to actually belong in order to live. Now, often we try and find this belonging elsewhere, as we try and fill this void in relationship that hurts. So Hiccup, in our movie, he went and found belonging and community amongst the dragons. As I was talking to my six-year-old son about this, he recognized he found his belonging with the animals. The Abbotton brothers, the Bra boys, they found their belonging in a new gang. Perhaps you've tried something similar. You've felt the longing, and so you've turned somewhere else. But nothing will ever completely fill the void in our lives without a relationship with God. No other connection can actually ultimately do anything for the problem of death as the consequence for our rebellion. So is there any hope of life? We're at point three. We've already seen that hope can't come from within. Instead, we need God to do what is actually impossible for us And thankfully, that's the thing we celebrate at Easter. Have a look at verse 3. You see, God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, God condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, there's some big words in there. It's a pretty dense little paragraph. Uh, If we unpack it a little bit, what do we see? The solution comes from God, not us. He's the one who acts. God has done what the law couldn't do. But did you see the problem with the law? (laughs) It's us. It's our ability to do God's will, or in fact, our complete inability. Rather than the law showing that we belong with God as we do what He says, the law highlights that we don't belong because we live in hostility against Him. It highlights our failure. So what did God do? He sent His eternally divine Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world that He made. Jesus was clothed in the same human flesh that you and I have, but the essential difference is Jesus didn't come to participate in our sin. 
He came to deal with the problem of our sin. You see, Jesus always enjoyed belonging with God. He lived in perfect love and obedience to God. He deserved life. And yet at Easter, we remember that he suffered death. Why? Well, this passage says it's to condemn sin in the flesh. That means he judged or dealt with the problem that keeps us separated from God. We're hostile forces with God. There's no way we can belong together unless that treason, that hostility, that enmity is dealt with. And that's what Jesus does. As he died on the cross that very first Easter, Jesus suffered God's wrath against our sin. He dealt with the problem. He removed the barrier that separates God and His people. And that's because Jesus doesn't just take God's anger away from us. He does something more. He gives us the credit for His perfect life. Uh, that's what it means that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. It's, it's big language, but basically, Jesus lived a perfect life. And if we trust in Jesus, that credit goes to us. The status of Jesus gets transferred to us. Imagine you make it to the end of this term. Hopefully this isn't a true story. But imagine you make it to the end of the term and you fail every subject. That'd be pretty devastating, wouldn't it? You'd feel like you don't belong. It's a pretty crushing defeat. But then somehow, through some computer system glitch, you then get credited with the guy who aced the course. Your transcript changes from fails in every degree to high distinctions. It's not because you earned it but you get given it. Now, it's a bit like that with what happens at Easter in the true story of what Jesus has done. We cannot earn God's favor. We are failures, but not through an accident or a glitch. Through God's perfect plan, through the gift of His Son, we receive the credit, the status of Jesus' perfect obedience. When God looks at you, if you're in Jesus, he no longer sees a hostile enemy. He sees his obedient son. And that means we belong. And that is a beautiful thing. Now that story probably sounds too good to be true. A, a nicety that is a, a, a fake dream, if that transcript ever came through, but an impossibility. But that's the truth of Easter. That's why the, the essential message of Christianity can be summarized as good news. That's what the word gospel means. It's the good news because God has done what we cannot do. God has given us what we do not deserve. We are, have earned death, but He gives us life. Our transcript is full of evil, of wrong, of thoughts, of words and actions. Yet that's replaced with Jesus' perfect transcript. And how does that transformation take place? How can you move from death to life, from hostility to a new home? How? Well, by turning away from the way that you were living, seeking your own pleasure, doing whatever felt good, and coming to put your, your trust with Jesus, committing your whole life to Jesus. The Bible uses faith to describe this kind of trust or commitment to the Lord Jesus. It's believing that Jesus is God's Savior and He is the new ruler of your life. He's the one you owe your life to. He's the one you commit your life to. There's no one else you need more in your life. There's no one else you, who deserves your life more. 
Uh, it's a bit like the images that we saw uh, of the dramatic helicopter rescues in the floods of last year. And we saw many pictures of people stranded on roofs, clinging to trees as the, the raging floodwaters rose. As the helicopter hovers above and a man or a woman is lowered down to rescue you, faith is letting them wrap the harness around you and carry you to safety. It's trusting that they are the rescuer that you need more than anything else. And it's allowing them to bring you to safety. It's not what you do. It's accepting the solution, the salvation that you need. That's the picture of faith in the Bible. And being saved is only the beginning for God's people. Everyone who receives Jesus' rescue experiences an incredible transformation. Not only is there profound and intimate belonging, there's also a birth of a wonderful new life. And so we see that in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. Our identity is wrapped up with Jesus. It's kind of what He is, we're part of by faith. And the reality is that we then have that status of no judgment standing against us. It also transforms our lives. So down in verse 9, we read that God's people are no longer characterized by the rebellious flesh, but the obedient spirit. And that makes sense because it's not our spirit, but it's God's spirit. The spirit of God actually comes and dwells within us. He belongs in His people. And so we belong to Him. And if you also notice, as you keep on reading, the Spirit of God dwells in you, as does the Spirit of Christ. They're one and the same Spirit. You see, God is eternal Father, Son, and Spirit. One God, but with a beautiful intimacy of belonging. Three persons loving each other for all eternity. And by faith, God invites us into that. To belong in that love and affection and protection. Doesn't it just blow your mind? From hostility to belonging in perfect love with God. And if you belong with Jesus, you're united with Him by faith. And that means that the life that He has from His resurrection is a life that we will share in as well. And so in verse 11 we read, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you as He does in all of God's people, and He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. On our own, we're hostile to God. We can't please God. We face death as our just destiny. We cannot save ourselves. But like this rescuer lowered down from above, Jesus comes and offers to swap transcripts with us. Not filled with marks, but full of the thoughts and the words and the actions of His life and our lives. That's the obstacle between us and God. That's what prevents us belonging to Him, as we were made to do. And as Jesus takes it from us, He gives us His transcript. He brings us into this profound new connection with God, and God comes to dwell in us by His Spirit. He binds us to Jesus, giving us forgiveness and life through Jesus' death and resurrection. It's incredibly good news. Do you see why you must belong in order to live? And can I ask, will you receive God's invitation today? We're at point four. It's a matter of death and life. Sometimes when it comes to belonging, it seems that when the stakes are really high, that belonging, that connection is at its strongest. 
take it. That's why in gangs or in wars, some of the most profound connections are built. But even more powerful is that bond we've just seen when life and death is on the line. That bond between God and His people taking us from death to give us life. It's like we're on death row and Jesus comes and steps in to take our penalty. Though as He does, part of us needs to die in the process as well. We owe our life to Jesus and we must bury our old ways. So have a look at verse 12. We read, So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The picture is as clear as it is challenging. If you keep living apart from God in the flesh, death is the outcome. You cannot please God with your works no matter how hard you try. But if you commit yourself to Jesus by faith, if you belong with Him and God's Spirit dwells in you, then that Spirit doesn't just give you life. It leads you in a whole new way of life, away from old harmful habits. They're dead to you. They're gone. And this is a new way of life, not because your good behavior earns God's merit, but because you have a wonderful new identity joined to Jesus that we're able to live out. Now, that new identity, it's not like wearing a sports jersey. Sometimes you put it on and it's clear you belong to the team, but at other times you can take it off or you drop from the team and it doesn't look like you belong anymore. No, the kind of belonging, the kind of the new identity, when you commit yourself to Jesus, it's permanent through all of life, through all that you do. And it's the most profound belonging any of us could ever long for or any of us could ever aspire to. It's a relationship we're actually made to enjoy. But it took Jesus' death and resurrection to make it possible. Do you know what that relationship is? What that belonging is? Have a look on the screen, verse 15. You received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And we're crying that out to God Himself. You see, family is incredibly special. Now, sadly, they don't always fulfill their potential. But when they do, there's this profound experience of belonging, a place where there's unconditional love and unwavering protection. It's a privilege to be part of that kind of a family. Now, for all of you, apart from my height, as Andrew mentioned, I'm just a pretty average guy. But for three people, I'm their father. And that's incredibly special. Now, you guys get to call me Tim, but these people have the honor and the privilege of being able to call me Dad. There's a lot of important people out there in the world, a lot of people with power and prestige, but none of them have the right to what these three people have. There's that special relationship. There's that special belonging. There's that incredible intimacy. And this is what God gives to everyone who puts their trust in His Son. Not just forgiveness and life, not even just the incredible gift of the eternal God dwelling within us by His Spirit. Now, God gives you a personal welcome into His family. As His very own beloved children, you can call out to the God who made and sustains the entire universe with the dependence and the confidence of a child calling out to their father. That's the belonging we were made to enjoy. That's true belonging. 
And that's the belonging that Easter offers to everyone who's willing to come and put their trust in the Lord Jesus as their Savior and the Lord of their life. So can I invite you today, this Easter, this hour, to receive that true belonging that you were made to enjoy. You can't find it on your own. You can't receive it through other efforts. The only way is coming to Jesus. Like that rescuer lowered from above to receive his rescue. And if you do, death is exchange for life, hostility for a new home, from the punishment of God to be able to call God your own father. Are you willing to come home? Are you ready to receive God's welcome? I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm going to pop it on the screen so you can read through it now. It's a simple prayer that expresses our faith and our trust. It says, sorry to God for wandering away, living as His enemy. It says, thank you that He sent Jesus to save us. And ask for God's forgiveness through Jesus' death in our place. Then ask that God's Spirit would help us to stop living our way and start living God's way as a child. And thanks God for that incredible security of being adopted and giving it eternal life. If you'd like to come home, if you'd like to belong, please pray along in your own hearts these words that offer life and forgiveness. Let's pray. Almighty God, I'm sorry for living as your enemy. Thank you for sending Jesus to save me. Please forgive me through his death in my place. By your spirit, help me to stop living for myself and start living for you as your child. Thank you for adopting me and giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, those words are simple, but as a child calling out to God, they are words he loves to answer. If you have prayed that prayer, God welcomes you into his family, and we'd love to welcome you too. Uh, can I draw your attention on this outline? There's this little bit on the side. Can you all take a moment now? We've got a whole kind of 10 minutes, so much time. There's hot cross buns outside, but before you go there, can I get you to grab a pen or one from the person next to you? Uh, we'd love to know that you've joined us. And on the side... Thanks for tuning in this week to the Campus Bible Study Podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed on your regular podcasting app. And why don't you check us out on Facebook, YouTube, or visit our website at campusbiblestudy.org.